Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Max Stiles, on lies people believe in our culture and how Jesus is relevant to them. Jesus was a great moral teacher, or Jesus was a, you know, an exemplary person, or he set a great example by, by being sacrificial. But to say he's only those things curses Christ with faint praise. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's divine. He's the divine Son of God. Max Stiles next. Society tells us all sorts of lies. I've got my truth, you've got yours. Being good is good enough, and death is the end. By approaching these commonly held beliefs, author and evangelist Max Stiles shows the flaws in society's thinking, and he also shows how Jesus responds in his new book, The Truth About Lies, Considering the Claims of Jesus. Max Stiles has served as a missionary and a pastor in many places around the world. Mac, why did you write The Truth About Lies, and who's it for? I would have a good conversation with someone about Jesus, and... um... I, I always wanted to have a book that I could give them that would explain the gospel in a, in a, in a, to a modern audience. And I, I couldn't find one, so I decided just to write it. I, I decided I, I would uh, put uh, my fingers to the keyboard and, and come up with a book that I, I felt like addressed a, com- a, you know, a common concern for the Christian community, which is we, we're in, we've moved beyond Christendom. We're in a post-Christian society. Often the folks that we're talking to are, are, are biblically illiterate. They're not stupid. They just, they don't know the Bible. They don't know about Jesus. They believe a lot of cliches about Christ. And so I wanted to correct a lot of those lies about, about Jesus mostly, but also about Christian faith. And um, so, yeah, that was the, so the result was the truth about lies. Well, no, there are eight lies in this book that you address. I want to ask you about each one, uh, uh, time permitting. But what is the nature of these lies that you address? In other words, what what do they all have in common? Well, I'd say, uh, well, a misunderstanding about God, honestly, uh, on on a broader scale, that that people people have these bad views of who God is, what He's like, and what needs to be done to get to know Him. So. They also have bought into lies about who Jesus is, um, kind of modern cliches, mm. as, I, as I mentioned, about Christ and his life. So I'd say, I'd say those are the big unifying. I mean, they're all, all, all of them deal with common lies about Christ in one way or another. Well, just to go through these, Mac, and uh, they're, they're very... Um fascinating, and they give us a lot of insight, and they'll ring a lot of bells, I think, as we talk about them. Lie number one, why would people believe, well, the lie is that people don't matter, or they don't believe they matter to God. Why would people believe that? That sounds like kind of a depressing notion. It, well, it is, and in some ways, that it's, like I say, in a post-truth, post-Christian, post-truth world, the question is no longer... Um, I need evidence 
that demands a verdict. You know, I mean, the, I mean <laughs> right. Josh McDowell's uh, really important book for for back when I was in university, you know, and Francis Schaeffer, you know, the the kind of the the truth. What is the truth about it? And today people are saying, I don't really care if it's true or not. I just want to know it's, if it's relevant to my life. Um, now, I'm both in, in some ways, both both of those things have to be you know, they have to come together at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to be true. Uh, so, but I think, I think it, it's the, it's the sign of our times about relevancy and is Jesus relevant in my, in my life? So I think a lot of people feel like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going through life and I don't really see how this impacts me. I don't know how, what this guy who died 2000 years ago has anything to do with my life. So, I think I, I think they bought that lie. Mm. Well, um, yeah. and, and certainly uh, you do. Then the, this is a lie. So you do believe that people matter to individuals matter to God. Can you explain it? I know the Scripture bears on this. Why do you believe each person does does in fact matter to God? You you can't imagine how important you are to God. Uh, he he created us in His image. He put a lot of himself in us in that regard. He uh, loved us uh, even when we fell away in rebellion from him, so much so that he was willing to die for us. Um, so I think maybe people don't understand or, or they've only heard cliches about that. They don't understand the love of God for his creation and for people in particular. Um, he made us to know him as father. The Bible says we're to call him Abba, father, like Papa. You know, every culture I've ever lived in has an endearing name for father. You know, Baba, Papa, or, you know, the mm. Daddy. Uh, mm. th those are all endearing names. Abba, father, is, is the Aramaic for our father, our endearing Daddy, for, for Daddy. Now, we don't want to move into... Uh, we we don't want to move into a place where we we are not giving God honor in that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but but still, that that was the word Jesus used when he spoke and called us to speak to God in prayer. And so, I think we've we've lost that, you know, in a lot of ways, um, and we've lost the meaning of of being made in His image. Well, the book is The Truth About Lies, Why Jesus is More Relevant Than You Think. My guest is Max Stiles. He's the author. And lie number two, Mac, is that um, being good is good enough. In other words, good enough to go to heaven. That is mm. obviously commonly believed. Why? What's the problem with that well, belief? Yeah. It, well, in one sense, it's how most religions see things, right? It's but, yeah. <laughs> you know, we try real hard. We work hard and good enough gets us in, right? But mm -hmm. so the Christian message is we, we'll never be good enough, that, that our sin is so deep and God is so holy that we're separated from him eternally if, if we're relying on ourself alone. So just trying real hard doesn't, doesn't get us into a relationship with a living God. So Christianity is unique that way. You know, it's, 
self-righteousness is hated by God. I mean, I hate self-righteousness when I see it in myself, <laughs> you know, when I see my own self-righteousness. God hates the self-righteous. But when people start saying, well, I'm going to show up before God and tell him all the good things I've done, you're just, you're just being self-righteous. What we need is what, what John Piper calls an alien righteousness. We need, we need to have God put his righteousness, first of all, his forgiveness, that is purchased for us on the cross, but we need his righteousness put in us so that we stand perfect before the living God. Not because, not because we earned it or did it, but simply because we put our faith in Christ. So, so I think being good is good enough is, is one of those cliches, one of those lies that people tell themselves about one day I'll stand before God and I'm just hoping I'll be good enough, you know, that my life has been good enough. But if it's without faith, you cannot please God, according to the Bible. So that's that. That's how we treat that one. Now, I, I have a conversation with Jesus and a religious man, Nicodemus, in that chapter, where, where Jesus confronts that idea, really, in the end. And here you have a religious man, a, a, a Pharisee, came to Jesus, and Jesus was explaining to him that he needed to be born again. It was something yeah. entirely apart from his works. Yeah, absolutely. And he could in no way enter into heaven. So, yeah, the, the most religious guy in the world, probably the Pharisees of the day, were being told, look, you, you're not even close to what's needed to get into heaven. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we deal with that in, in the lie, too. Being good is, is good enough is, is a lie. Well, number three, uh, Mac, Jesus is an inspiration, and, and uh, I mean, certainly uh, Christians listening to this would say, well, he is. He's an inspiration. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I would say he's an right. inspiration, too, <laughs> but not merely an inspiration. Yes. He's, you know, so this is getting at the idea, Jesus was a great moral teacher, or Jesus was a, you know, an exemplary person, or he set a great example by, by being sacrificial, but he's, but to but to say he's only those things curses Christ with faint praise. Mm -hmm. uh, he's divine. He's the divine Son of God, and uh, he was he was sent by God uh, to to take on the sins of the world. I mean, if you only say he's an inspiration, you you really you're doing a disservice to who he really was. And that's the kind of, if you will, a nod that that many religions. Uh, maybe most give to oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, certainly, you know, and of course, I live a good portion of my life in the in the Muslim world, mm. and and Muslims would claim to honor honor God, but to but to to not see Him as divine cuts the heart out of Christianity, and and really is a smear on who Jesus was. Well, line number four is that. I'm free to do what I want, or as uh, I, I think it maybe it's, it's also been referred to as look out for number one. I think you might have looked at it yeah. maybe both ways. Is that fair yeah, to say? Yeah. Look out for number one. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm keying off Mark 10, where Jesus says we're slaves to sin. Mm. So in one sense, we're free to be free according to our nature. We, we'll, we can sin as much as we want. <laughs> I mean, I mean, have at it. Our nature is to sin, we're, but we're slaves to sin. And uh, the image that Jesus uses is that we've been kidnapped. We've been kidnapped by Satan, by the world, by the world system, and we can't get out 
in and of ourselves. So that's in Mark 10, Jesus also, he talks about being slaves to sin, but he says he's come to be a ransom for many. So a ransom is paid to the kidnapper uh, to purchase the, the freedom of those who would follow Christ. And that's something you encountered a lot, you write in your book, when you were a pastor in Iraq, yeah, yeah. I believe. Well, not a not a lot. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, poor pastors make bad, you know, make bad kidnap victims. <laughs> There's not a lot, <laughs> not a lot to be had by poor pastors. But you know, yeah, oh yeah, it was big business, especially in Baghdad, uh, further south. To, I was in Erbil in Kurdistan, mm. a lot better place to be. But but kidnapping is is big business in Iraq, and uh, so I, I think a lot of that. A lot of the thinking for me came from from those experiences there. Well, and it's interesting that that idea of ransom, of course, in that context, it's it's money for people, but in Jesus' context, it was himself. His for life, people. yes, yes, to give his life as a ransom for many, not everyone, but for many, for all who would repent and believe. And it's interesting that I'm free to do what I want. I mean, talk about perhaps the strongest ethos of our culture, or at least one oh, of them, oh that don't, don't get yeah. in my personal space yeah. or don't tell me what I can or can't do with my life. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, there's that, it's, it's rampant and, uh, and getting worse, I think. But, I, but when we take those hard looks deep in our hearts, we, we, we see that, that really sexual addictions, uh, chemical addictions, the inability to, to love people that we claim to love, you know, are, you know, it's funny how sometimes the people that you treat the worst are those you love mm-hmm. or you claim to love. Mm-hmm. And uh, as tries, try as you might, uh, th- those are, those are those flags that show us we're slaves to sin. And the culture is only getting worse on those things. Abusive relationships. I mean, you'd think we're, if we're going to be progressive, you'd think those things would get better, but actually, I don't think so. I think we we see our 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 slavery to sin being revealed to us by God. Well, Mac, line number five uh, in your book, "The Truth About Lies," is I've got my truth, you've got yours. It is so common today. In other words, we're both right. And of course, who was it? Rev Tevia in uh, Fiddler on the Roof said, yeah, right. "He's right. <laughs> He's right. They, yeah. they can't both be right." Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I love that movie. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm keen off John 14 there conversation that Jesus has with Pontius Pilate, who is I mean, so if you think that's a modern idea, I've got my truth, you've got yours, you you gotta you gotta realize two thousand years ago people were saying this. Mm. And Pontius Pilate said it to Jesus. So I'm looking at that story. Um and and you know, we don't really act that way in life. You know, <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't truly live like there is no truth or my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. I use the example in the book about, you know, your doctor prescribes pills to you for an ailment. You don't say, well, I don't I don't do yellow pills. I like green ones or, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's there's things that I mean, we just, it's an it's intuitively obvious. But the thing that's important and the thing that's challenging is that Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. Um, have you, I, Bill? You've probably heard, you know, liberal liberal Christians or even even other religions will talk about the paths to God being all up 
the same mountain. Mm -hmm. You know, they all wind up in the same place. And in one sense, I had to think about this a lot living in overseas. In one sense, it's true. All paths do lead to the top of the mountain where you meet God. But Jesus says you can meet him as father through him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to meet him as judge. And you do not want to meet God as judge. You want to meet him as your father, as your as adopted sons and daughters. So, and that that path is through Jesus, and that's the only way to get to God as Father. And I like how you put it. Uh, I believe it must be in this chapter. I've got my truth. You've got yours. That the the truth actually has a has a name, yes. as you just said. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's not that he has truth. He is truth. Yeah. Well, the book is The Truth About Lies, Why Jesus is More Relevant Than You Think. My guest is the author, uh, Max Stiles. And and, and Max, line number six, that death is the end. Again, a common belief, uh, especially for atheists, but I I, I think it's it's commonly believed uh, across our culture in so many different contexts. Where where do you begin to uh, address this lie? Well, I I address it with Mary at the tomb um, and the resurrection of Christ. The Bible is very clear. it acknowledges the Bible acknowledges that if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead, we're lost in our sin and we're we're to be pitied among all people. You know, Paul, Paul, who wrote good portion of the New Testament, is saying it is nuts to be a Christian if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Uh, and so yeah. often in evangelistic conversations, I, you know, I just had another one with a, a young woman. And uh, she was asking some questions. And I said, look, Corey, um, I genuinely, in my heart, honestly believe that this man, Jesus, got up from the dead. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Uh, so you sort of, I mean, thinking people will say, well, you got a point. You know, I mean, if you really believe that, I understand. But everyone's got to deal with it. You, Jesus doesn't let us just sit there. Um, so that's that's where I start. Mm-hmm. And there's good reasons to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. There were eyewitnesses. There's historical accounts. I mean, how else do you explain the rise of the church? You know, look, this the church took over from people who had seen him alive because I, without army, without money, they just took over because... They saw Jesus risen from the dead. Historically, it's very difficult to explain the rise of the early church. It wasn't like Islam, which came by war, or or other religions, which came through conquest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it took over because Jesus rose from the dead. It's interesting, Mac, that you point out that if somebody were to, well, many people have, to investigate this, you say the more they investigate it, the, the, actually the harder it becomes to dismiss. Yeah, I I know many who have come to faith because they set out to disprove it. You know, and there's so many inherent things about the 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 account. One of the ones I love is that if you if you were making this up, you would never have women be the first witnesses. They couldn't even women couldn't even testify in a court of law in first century Palestine. And and yet the authors of the New Testament of the Gospels, the accounts, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus, maintain that women were the first ones to to 
to give witness that Christ had risen. Uh, you know, you don't make that up. Uh, so anyhow, yeah. I, I mean, there's all kinds of inherent things in that. Mm-hmm. Lee Strobel's written about that. He was, and he's one I think of who set out to disprove Christianity and uh, wound up being <laughs> a, a person of faith, a, a follower of Christ. So, Well, line number seven, everyone goes to heaven. I guess it's a little bit like or, or sort of similar or maybe uh, an outgrowth of number uh, two, being good is good enough, but uh, everyone goes to heaven. It seems like many believe that as oh, yeah. well. And in, in contrast to, to death is the end. It's, it's sort of like, well, if death's not the end, it's compulsory heaven for everybody, right? You know, <laughs> number six. Yeah, death is the end is yes. number six. Everyone goes to heaven is number seven. Right. So, yeah, I think it's a dodge. You know, people people want to be flippant about heaven. Um, but Matthew 7 is very clear um, with it, that there will be a reckoning. There will be judgment day. And we will stand before Christ and give an account. And in Matthew 7, it's the very end of the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. His, Jesus' most famous sermon comes in, in, in Matthew 7, at the end of it. It starts at Matthew 5, goes through Matthew 7. The end of that story, Jesus wants to make sure that we understand it's not about living, you know, being good is good enough. You know, he, he's saying people stand up before him and talk about all the great things they've done for, for him, for Jesus. And yet he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And it's because they talk about themselves. They don't talk about what Christ has done on the cross, that he died for me on the cross. He rose again. And what I need to do is put my trust and faith in Christ, repent of sin. And by the way, repentance is mostly about uh, turning from disbelief, turning from our putting Jesus at arm's length and embracing him wholeheartedly as Savior and Lord. So that that's that's what I wanted to get at in, in line number seven. And, and everyone goes to heaven. It just strikes me, too, that that would mean, well, if everyone goes to heaven, if you actually believe that, that would be whoever you want to yeah. put, it, put in there, the worst of the worst of the worst. Yeah. There's no justice in the afterlife then. <laughs> it's, something, <laughs> it's something people sing about in pop songs. But, uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, when you really think about it, you're exactly right, that God, God is a loving judge. And so one of the things he loves is justice. He loves justice. And so you, you have to you have to remember that justice uh, means that that sin must be paid for somehow. Uh, even, either through your own, I mean, through your own death um, or the death of Christ where we are found in Christ through faith. Well, lie number eight, uh, the, the last lie in your book, Mac, the truth about lies, why Jesus is more relevant than you think, is I can't change. And it, obviously, and you lay this out in one sense, there's a strong element of truth in that yeah. statement. Yeah, yeah. That, re- yeah, that repentance, repentance is the change most desired by God, that we humble ourselves before the living God, acknowledge we can't change in and of ourselves. A- ask Jesus to forgive us of our sin, humbly recognize that the only way to God is through Christ and put our trust and faith in him. So true repentance is the pathway, the doorway into a relationship with a, a loving father. 
So that repentance, I think in your book you talk about, uh, it was sort of like, uh, I can't remember which military it was, but they would use the word repent, which means... Repent term, about face. Yeah, it's a, a military term, about face. Uh, you know, you're, you're headed one way, which is hell. Honestly, you know, you're, you're, headed, you're headed to uh, eternal suffering. And this offer is given to you to do an about face and turn to Christ. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't know who said this. I wish I wish I knew the person and I, I, so I could give credit. But I heard that earth is almost like a way station, that it's the closest hmm. thing that a non-Christian gets to heaven. And it's the closest thing a Christian gets to hell. Hmm. Uh and you you want to go to heaven. You, you, you want the good things, the reflections of heaven that we see on earth. Because the bad things are reflections of the, the horrible outer darkness. What an awful thought, you know, what Jesus says, cast them into outer darkness. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people, and, you know, bridle against that. Mm. They bridle against the idea. But if you think about it, if you think about what it means to oppose a holy, living, loving God who made you, who made you. Yeah. He's only right and just to do as he wishes in the end. So it's really not a matter of do you believe in God, but does God believe in you? You know, has he reached out to you and called you to himself? And Bill, that is what I so long for this book to do for friends and family, co-workers, neighbors, it's the kind of book that I want people to to read themselves as believers, but to think I have a relative who, who's you know not this hard bitten atheist, but someone who'd be willing to genuinely consider the claims of Christ and give them this book. That's what I long, what I long for with with this book. Well, it is the truth about lives why Jesus is more relevant than you think. And Mac, if somebody does make that. Uh, decision, that profession of faith in, in Jesus, that they decide they want to believe, repent, trust in him. What does it look like? What does following Jesus look like day to day then? It looks like a life of faithfulness, one foot in front of the other, uh, persevering, getting involved in a, 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 f- a local fellowship of believers. Uh, it involves prayer, learning how to talk to God, learning how to be close to him and love him, learning how to read his word, be discipled by an older, mature Christian. I mean, those are simple things. They sound simple, don't they? But, you know, they're lifelong processes. Keep listening to your radio show. The best thing you can do is read the scriptures, get involved in church. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, missionary and pastor, Max Stiles, author of The Truth About Lies, Considering the Claims of Jesus. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again on Monday at this same time for another edition of His People.